I want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Hope While Waiting from the Life of Daniel. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called When Glorious Answers to Prayer Overtake My Waiting. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 9. It's dangerous to cry out to God and to wait and to embrace trials. That's what Daniel did. Seven ingredients to a dynamic prayer, a life. First, balance. We just talked about that. You need all the aspects of, of, of prayer. You need to have a strong sense of adoration and uh, who God is. And I need a sense of uh, confession coming before the God. For, that's what mostly Daniel's doing here. Then a sense of a thanksgiving. Some of the most unhappy people in the world are the people that have no sense of thanksgiving. I'm telling you, there's 8,000 things you could sit right here and write a list. You could write it until you ran out of notebook space of the things that God has done just today to think, I mean, I think about the freedom that God has given us. I had three grandfathers, or two grandfathers, and Jensen had one that fought in World War II. I'm telling you, if the war had gone the other way, I wouldn't be sitting up here preaching like this. Okay? There's a, there's a sense of gratefulness uh, to all veterans and what they do and what their families go through. Balance. Here's the second uh, ingredient to a dynamic prayer. Repentance. Repentance. Look at verse 13. Notice that he says, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God. What? People still didn't get it. Even in captivity, many of them. But here's what he says. Notice what he says, what they didn't do. This is repentance. He said, they didn't turn away from our iniquities. We did not turn away from our iniquities, and we did not gain insight from your truth. Those are the two parts of repentance. Repentance means, and it's right here in the text, it's that word we studied in Jeremiah, shuv, to turn. It means I'm going one direction, and then I turn, and I go back toward God. He says, we have not turned. Okay, it doesn't say we've confessed. What our nation needs is not more acknowledging what our sins are. We need more turning away from our sins. That's turning toward God. That's a, that's a life of prayer that is dynamic. Notice that he says, turning away and turning toward or gaining insight from your truth. That's what repentance is. It's going away from what I, my program and going back toward God and saying, God, I need your truth because not only am I going to turn from that, but I want your truth. I want to embrace what you have for me. That's dynamic repentance. Notice that he doesn't just repent uh, individually but he's repenting corporately. A lot of us can say, well, I don't need to repent anything. My conscience is clear. I ain't stole nothing. I ain't, I'm not doing none of the things that other people in our nation do. I'm pretty good. That attitude will uh, only get you so far. If you want to see revival in our nation, as some of us, many of us do, if you want to see revival in your family, start confessing the sins of your community, of your nation, of pleading for God for the whole nation. God, that's intercessory prayer. It's stepping in the gap and saying, there's some people down the block here that need to be on their faces before God, but they can't. They're not. I will. I will embrace the fact that even though I'm not walking in sin, my people are walking in sin, and we have sinned. And when people start taking responsibility for the we, revival's around the corner. Now, certainly both have to go together. Seven ingredients to dynamic prayer. Balance, repentance, then notice the personal nature of the prayer. One interesting sub-note about uh, this chapter, uh, the word Yahweh is mentioned seven times. And this is the only chapter where God's personal name is even mentioned in the book of Daniel. Seven times here, no other chapter uh, in the book of Daniel. You know, there's something powerful 
you know, if I were to go home, if I were to go home today and I were to be in a difficult situation, I love my dad, he would do anything for me. But if I came home in a really difficult situation, I wouldn't say, hey, Mr. Aarons, um, would you mind helping me get some gas in my car and some food for my family? That's not what I'm doing. I'm going home and I'm saying, Dad, I need some help. Dad, I need you to show up. I need you to do some things for me. And you notice that, notice that Daniel's prayer is the intensity is coming through the sense of, Yahweh, you're our God. You're our God. And I'm calling you by your personal, you need to show up. I, God, you're my God. You're not just a distant God. You're not just, now sense, there's a sense to which we acknowledge the holiness and the greatness and the separateness of God. But in prayer, intense prayer, it comes, God, you're my God. If you don't show up, I don't have any other gods. God, there's a personal relationship going on here. You see that right in the text. It's personal. I love what Hebrews 4.16 says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things about the gospel is the fact that we don't have to, you know, get, have a wristband on to get in. I don't need a wristband to get in. I can come right into the throne room of God. I can walk right into the very throne room of God and put my uh, intercession right before the king of the universe. That's insane. Listen, there's something awesome. Like, we, we forget that. I have access to the God of the universe. Like that. Oh, yeah, well, I'll get around to that someday. Are you kidding me? And that's what Daniel sees right here. He goes right into the throne room of God. He says, you're my God. God, I'm crying out to you. Here's the fourth ingredient to dynamic prayer. Um, dynamic prayer must be gospel-informed. Gospel-informed. Notice that um, verse 18, second half of the verse. He says, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness but because of your great mercy. That's the gospel right there. The gospel is I'm a broken person. I'm a sinner. And apart from the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, I would be separated from God through eternity. That's all of us. But the gospel is I didn't have to be righteous. The gospel is I didn't fix myself and then come to church. I came to church, met Jesus Christ. That's the important thing. Church is almost irrelevant there. My righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. That's imputed righteousness. Jesus said, you know what? You take my blamelessness, I'll take your penalty. I just love his appeal to the great mercy of God. There's something great about a man or a woman that get on their face and say, God, our hope is in you. There is no other, there is no other hope. Our people, have, our, Jerusalem's desolate. The bulldozers completely ran that place through. There is no hope. That's your mountain, God. And there's no hope unless, I, unless God, you and your great mercy respond. Number five, dynamic prayer is glory-driven. Glory-driven. Notice in verse four, love what he says. He says, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let me just ask you something about your prayer life. Is your prayer life driven by adoration or by supplication? Most of us make our decision to pray and how much we will pray based on how many answers we're getting. I can tell you that happens all the time in everybody's life. If you're seeing God move and do radical things in your life, you're going to have more time on your knees. Most of us are like that, okay? And if I'm not seeing so many things, well, you know, I got some other stuff I need to do. Um, that's a backwards prayer life. Notice that Daniel starts out with adoration. Okay? When your life is driven 
By the greatness of God, you can pray anything. You know that God can do anything. You're not saying, well, I'm going to pray small prayers because I've noticed that God has answered 50% of my small prayers. When my life is driven by adoration in the greatness of God, I can't help but pray everything, and especially the big things. Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? No, Lord, nothing. Nothing's too hard for you. So many times my prayer life is limited because I'm so focused on supplication and I'm not focused on adoration. I'm not focused. My life, prayer life and my life is not driven by the greatness of God. It's driven by what I conceive of what God can do. Your prayer life is limited by your level of adoration. It just is. And Daniel starts out and says, you're the great and awesome God. Nothing's too hard for you. I wonder if he was even reading that part of Jeremiah, perhaps even that day. Which sets the tone, a big God or answers? Here's the sixth ingredient of dynamic prayer. I love this, verse three. It says, uh, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Notice the little says, says, I turned my face to the Lord. Then go all the way down to verse 17. Daniel says, now therefore, O Lord our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Notice the focus there on face. Here's the sixth word, focused. Dynamic prayer is focused. Some of the things that God wants us to see what, when we begin to pray, a dynamic prayer life is a person who turns their face uh, toward God. Okay, so many times in our lives, I mean, if you're like me and you got a cell phone, which we all have now, right? And now there's all kinds of stuff and text going like crazy. And like there's, that thing goes ringing. You just back over to my, back over to my phone, back over to my phone. We all have this very distracted sense of life. I think that's one of the great challenges of the technologically advanced environment we live in is the fact that we're so distracted so quickly by so many things, it's hard to focus at all. One of the things that God is calling that Daniel does here is he turns away from everything else that's happening and turns his face toward God. Sometimes distractions keep us from turning our face toward God. Here's another thing that keeps us from turning our face toward God. Shame. God, I, I, I'd love to talk to you, God. There's some things going on in my life that I need to fix, but I, I just don't feel like I can, I, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. Like I, I remember what I did three days ago and something I said to someone or I I can think back to a couple of years ago when I did something I really regret, and how could you possibly answer my prayer? Listen, and what God wants to tell you today is turn your face toward him. Turn your face to the cross. It's at the blood that dripped out of Jesus' veins. That's the cleansing flood that forgives, and we can turn our face toward the living God. And, and God, there's something awesome. Sometimes when I'm sitting down, I remember one of, the, uh, of our older boys did this. I don't know what I was doing. One of them came up, and he would do this. He would come up to me, and I was distracted with something, and he said, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> and there's something that, that grips the heart of God when we turn to him and say, Daddy, he's, he's already paying attention. Like, that's not a thing to him. But when we, he loves it. When we put our little hands around him and say, Daddy, listen to me. I've got something to say. He loves that. He loves that. And notice also in the text here, it says that, he says, God, you turn your face toward us. Turn your face towards. That's the goal of redemption. That is the goal of the cross, is that we be re reunited in a face-to-face -face relationship with the living God. Not with faces like this, not with faces over here, 
but to re-engage face-to-face relationship. And I would tell you if you're here and you're filled with distraction or with shame, that's maybe why your prayer life is where it's at. What God's calling you to do is just, let's go back to -to face-to-face. Let's go back to a focused prayer life. Sometimes in order to do that, you've got to turn your cell phone off and get alone with God. Maybe it's somewhere where you're not distracted, where you can go face-to-face with the living God. That's what Daniel did. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, I love that you're listening to Meeting with God, but I got a question for you. Are you doing the Christian life in isolation? At Vertical Church Columbus, we live out biblical community, not only through our weekend services, but also in grace groups. These small groups meet across the city weekly to encourage one another and care for one another and study God's word together. You know, if you don't have Christians around you in your journey with Christ, let me invite you to Vertical Church. Go to verticalchurch.life. Here's the final ingredient of dynamic prayer. It's intense, intense. Verse 19, notice the conclusion of his prayer here. He says, oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because of your city and your people who are called by your name. I love the intensity. You ever, you ever had a discussion with people? You're like, hey, yo, 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 can you bring this down? They're like, what? Hey, can you bring the, you know, da, 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 down? What? Bring the keys. <laughs> That's what Daniel's doing here. He's saying, God, I've said all this stuff. God, hear, hear. God, act. God, forgive. And if you can't see, that's what's burning in the heart of Daniel. He's saying, God, do this now. Now, all of us are a little more intense than others. There needs to be some times in your prayer life where you max out your intensity. Okay, it's not not bothering God. God's not up in heaven going, whoa, settle down. You're getting a little excited down there. (laughs) God's sitting up in heaven going, it's about time. It's about time. It's about time that you saw it that way. Glorious answers come in response to intense pleas. Now, here's the, great, here's the great thing. How many of us want a prayer life like this? God literally interrupts his prayer time with a huge answer. Verse 20, while I was, notice while, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking, said that twice, I think I got it, while I was still speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, a couple years back, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice, probably three or four in the afternoon. And he made me understand, speaking with me, saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your plea for mercy, a word went out. I've calculated it takes about five and a half minutes for the answer to come directly from heaven. So if you're expecting an answer faster than that, it just can't, it's not possible. It takes that long to... At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, clearly from God, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. How awesome is it when our answers come before we're done praying? You ever had a day like that? I need some of that. God, I need you to show up today. I need, I need to see it today, and I'm going to tell you, don't give God ultimatums. But sometimes the grace of God will catch you while the words are still in your mouth. If you have an intense prayer life like Daniel, sometimes that's going to happen to you. You're barely going to get the words out of your mouth. And God, I, God, I need strength. And there it comes. I need joy, God. I need you to work in somebody's life. Ring, ring. Wow. That's not all the time. A lot of time we're waiting. But I, I just love this. 
What, what a gift. Look at the close of the second half. This is one, probably the biggest thing for me in this text. Why don't you jot this in your notes. Glorious answers reveal God's unexpected grace toward me. Glorious answers reveal God's unexpected grace toward me. How, how great would it be to be praying? Uh, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. We interrupt your prayer to give you the answer. <laughs> no, God, let me finish. This is really important. Uh, sir, we, we have the answer. You want the... I like that prayer life. Look closely at the second half of verse 23. This just gripped me. Notice he says, um, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Uh, New American Standard says highly esteemed. King James says greatly beloved. That's fair to say that Daniel been through a lot. We know from Daniel 6 that there were guys already scheming to get rid of him. Daniel had spent his entire life just about in Babylon as an exile. Here he is pouring his heart out to God. I think many of us can identify with the struggles that Daniel's feeling. He's had a painful life, not had an easy life. But here's here's the thing that just gripped me. Just imagine being Daniel. I'm sure he was pretty excited about the answers that were coming. But there's something awesome when God turns. Like, Like we have such an earthly, horizontal perspective. But what Gabriel does is he tips back the curtain of heaven and says, you know what? There's a whole different reality going on. And where things really matter, you're greatly esteemed. You're not an exile in heaven. You're one of the big shots. You are greatly esteemed. You are greatly loved. By the way, we all get to be big shots in heaven on that term. We're all greatly loved. What an important thing for Daniel who's given his life to waiting. His whole life just encompassed the 70 years, his whole life. Some of us, some of us feel the weightiness of day after day, trial after trial. I'm not seeing answers, but I'm trying to be faithful one step at a time. And I keep getting flack from people over here and the people at work can't stand me and my family can't even stand me and they think I'm crazy and whatever your particular thing is, God's message to some of you is, you are greatly loved. Where it really counts, you are greatly loved. And I would let God speak that. We're in the presence of God here. Let God speak that into your heart. If you're going through a tough time in your... I just... I love this. Gabriel just says, you're greatly loved, man. You don't realize this. You don't realize this. Someday you're going to see it pretty soon. But you're greatly loved. And I hope that we can embrace that and let God speak that as life into our hearts. That to keep going step by step, especially through the trials and especially through the challenges and the waiting. God's watching. And you were loved. What a great, great, great encouragement. Glorious answers begin in my study of God's word. Glorious answers come in response to my intense pleas. Glorious answers reveal God's unexpected grace toward me. And glorious answers, here it is, the last one. Glorious answers sometimes go beyond what I could ask or think. And unveil more of God's plan for redemption. Daniel was praying for the 70 years of waiting to end. And Gabriel comes. He gives Daniel more than he was bargaining for, more than he was praying for. Look at verse 24. 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem, that's Ezra and Nehemiah's time, 
Uh, To the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks, it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. Now the weeks are weeks of years, so seven years. After 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. Who's that? That's Jesus Christ. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and its sanctuary and its end shall come with a flood and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. That's 70 AD in the Romans. Then quite a gap. He says, he shall make a strong covenant with the many for one week. This is for, for, uh, foreshadowing or speaking of uh, the Antichrist. He shall make a strong covenant with the many for a week. And for half of a week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Now, how many want to give an amen to final desolation poured out on the desolator? Amen to that? Amen. I'm pretty excited about the day when um, justice rolls forth from God's hand. But I want to direct your attention to what must have grabbed Daniel's heart the most. Notice verse 24. So 70 weeks are decreed. So you were praying about the 70 years. Now I'm going to talk to you about a lot more, Daniel. 70 weeks are decreed for your people in your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity. I want to stop there. There's some, there's some good news about the bad news, and there's some good news about the good news right here. We think, oh, well, tell me about what's going to happen. Like, I want to hear the prophecy. Um, yeah, maybe someday. But I'll tell you, that's not what was grabbing Daniel's heart. He was excited about that. But notice what it says here. It says, um, it says first that it would finish the transgression, then put an end to sin. What is the, the longing in the heart of every human being is to live in paradise again in a loving relationship with the living God. And he says, Daniel, not only are we going to get the people back in the land, not only are some good things going to happen and they're going to get back kind of on the program, he said, there's a plan in place to put a final spear in the heart of sin forever and eliminate it. Notice then what he says. This kind of culminates the first half of the bad news. says, and to atone for iniquity. What he's showing there is that sin would be canceled out through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Daniel probably didn't grasp all of that immediately. But the thought that we don't even now, we have no temple, we have no place, no holy place to atone for sin. We have no day of atonement. We have, we have none of that. But a place, something's going to happen that's going to make a final atonement. Sin will be dead forever. Certainly Daniel's life had been altered by the sin of his people. He wouldn't even be in Babylon without the sin. What a joy that must have been to his heart. Here's the good news. Here's the good news about the good news. Notice that it says, everlasting righteousness. After he's just prayed, confessing sin for about five minutes. How awesome to hear from the throne of God that there's going to come a time when there's going to be everlasting righteousness. A permanent, perfect relationship with God. Then he says, to seal up vision and prophecy. That means that all prophecy will be authenticated and completed. Then he finally says, to anoint a most holy place. It's probably a reference to Ezekiel 40 and 48, which Daniel would have had access to. He's talking about a time when worship on earth will be unparalleled as the king of glory, the high priest, will walk into the holy of holies. God is here. It's over. 
How awesome to have a glorious relationship and worship with Israel's God, our God restored. As I saw in Jeremiah here, it says, I'm gonna visit you. I'm gonna hear your prayers. This is the beginning of the answer right here. Daniel is on his face. He's cried out to God and God has met him. And God is meeting his people right as Daniel is going through this. Some of the answer to Daniel's prayer is gonna come pretty awkwardly. Probably not what he expected. But God is nonetheless gonna show up I want our church to be a place of hope. I want to be in a church for the rest of my life where people are filled with hope in Jesus Christ. And the way that's going to happen is as we have people who are growing in dynamic prayer, who are before the throne constantly crying out to God to see him do what only he can do. And then our church will be a place filled with glorious answers. How great would it be to be in a prayer meeting when Jesus Christ shows up? about that. I'm going to say that might even be Daniel's situation here. What a place to be. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Meeting with God is a listener-supported ministry which strives to share the good news of Jesus Christ each day. Our prayer is that this radio program will lift people's eyes and hearts to our Savior, Jesus. If you would like to be a part of the Meeting with God team of financial donors who make this ministry possible, please visit our website, verticalchurch.life. We are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. And as always, we hope to meet you back here at the very same time tomorrow for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.